The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Dose of Leadership Podcast, Episode 165. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. Welcome all Dose of Leadership Nation listeners. I appreciate you taking the time to tune into the show once again. I love the comments I'm receiving, the emails. Please keep them coming my way. If you've got any questions about leadership or you, you know, questions about your what you should do with leadership, if you're having a leadership challenge, let me know. Send it at richard at doseofleadership.com. I'd be more than happy to answer your questions and maybe even read your questions on the air and answer them there. Hey, I want to introduce my new friends to the show, new partners to the show, 99designs. And these guys have tons of experience. They really helped me on my branding. And having experience these days is totally priceless. More than 300,000 design projects have passed through the doors at 99designs, and that's expertise. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I chose to work with them on my design projects. Go visit 99designs.com slash leadership, and you can get a $99 power pack of services absolutely free today. All right, what a thrill to have on my show today, uh, John Cotter. He's regarded by many as the authority on leadership and change. He's a New York Times bestselling author, award-winning business and management thought leader, business entrepreneur, inspirational speaker and a Harvard professor. His ideas and books, as well as his company, Cotter International, have helped mobilize people around the world to better lead organizations and their own lives in an era of increasingly rapid change. With the launch of Accelerate, Cotter has authored, authored 19 books to date, including Our Iceberg is Melting, Sense of Urgency, The Heart of Change, and Leading Change, which Time Magazine selected in 2011 as one of the 25 most influential business management books ever written. Wow, what an accomplishment. Professor John Cotter, welcome to the Dose of Leadership. Thank you. Gosh, it's such a thrill to have you on here. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. I read your bio, but you've been in this uh, field for quite a long time. Why are you so passionate about leadership? Good question. (laughs) (laughs) I am interested ultimately with uh, outcomes, performance, um, uh, the econ- the economy, you know, and the quality of life on Earth. And somewhere early on, actually in my doctoral thesis, which goes back to just after the Civil War, the uh, which focused on big city mayors, um, I started seeing that um, people um, providing a good a good leadership uh, versus Poor leadership could really make a big difference on outcomes. And in in the doctoral thesis, it was really dramatic because these were people who served as mayors during the 1960s, and that was a tough time when a lot of cities literally blew up. Right. Um, 
with a lot of downside uh, consequences uh, for people. And a few of the people I studied, though, uh, just remarkable in helping their cities and the citizens and the economy and everything else during that difficult period of time. And when I was interviewing um, people who knew them well, you know, the term leadership comes up again and again and again, although I don't think I even mentioned that much in my book. I'm sure that started me if I hadn't been interested already much earlier than life on the uh, journey. Uh, the point is, A, it makes a difference, um, and B, in an increasingly rapidly changing world, the number of people to whom this is relevant um, has just grown and grown and grown. This is no longer the domain just of CEOs and right. mayors, as you well know, but is um, increasingly something that is relevant uh to just about um everyone and anyone uh and when we get it right it really can um do big things for firms which i mostly deal with because i've grown up at harvard business school but for um i mean in in the news right now as we record this is this uh uh daily report on uh, the VA hospitals. Right. Uh, and we had a flyby about two or three years ago um, with the VA system. Long story, uh, but I got to meet the guy, for example, that has been shot, <laughs> so to speak, um, not his boss who is holding tenuously to his job right now, and the top 50 people who run that system. Wow. And something about, and, and you know, I walked away um, appalled um, by the whole thing and feeling very sad uh, because, A, we couldn't, I mean, you couldn't work with these people. Yeah. Um, and they were systematically, even though I knew nothing about uh, the, the, the sorts of things that are being reported in uh, in print and on TV um, daily uh, right now, um, it was obvious that was a screwed-up system, and it was just as obvious that those people were not providing anything close to the competent leadership to do anything uh, about it, which is really, really outrageous. So what is it? Is it you brought up competence? Is that really at the root of it? Is it incompetence? Is it a quest for power? Is it just bureaucracy and not knowing better? What do you think is? Why is it so screwed up? Well, there, there, as you imply with the way, the way you asked the question, I mean, there are lots of reasons, um, not the least of which is um, folks grow up in a system um, that for them to get ahead, so to speak, which means getting promoted, uh, what they have to learn is something about how to uh, um, manage um, uh, people and structures and systems uh, unfortunately, historically, historically, they have not had to learn much about leadership. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, so uh, if you stack on top of that 
the lack of pressures, in the case of the VA, they're a monopoly. Right. So the pressure that comes for on them to produce, um, to measure their own performance, be honest about it, improve it, et cetera, is, is weak. So if, if, if you've got a typical hierarchical, you know, management-driven process system, people learn, have to learn something minimally about management. They do not have to learn about leadership. And if the system doesn't have much pressure on it to change, um, it, it, that even makes it stronger because leadership is fundamentally associated with, with change. I mean, it's, it's about uh, mobilizing people uh, to kind of go off on a journey and make something special uh, happen. Um, it's not about mobilizing people to keep everything just the way it is. If you look at history and go back centuries and pick off all the folks that we today would say are that seem to stand out, given the information we have as great leaders, it's always associated with making something remarkable happen by getting a group of people to do things quite differently uh, and get results that benefit humankind. So anyway, I, this is you know, it, it, it just makes a huge difference, and increasingly it, it's making a difference to... It, it, the number of people that have to get into the game is is just going up, and that's because the fundamental trend of our times is the speed of change and the unpredictability of everything is just going up and up and up. Well, that's what I was going to ask. You know, you, when you were doing your thesis and you were looking at all the, uh, <clears throat> the, 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 the leaders and the mayors of the big cities, what do you think is the biggest difference or challenge compared to say 45 years ago as opposed to now is it the technology is it the speed well we went through a blip back then that kind of came and went if you will um over a, a, a couple of really tough um um years uh the not in the sense of kind of riots uh, if you will but the the uh, tumult, if you will, the number of of uh, in business we would call it strategic challenges, um, the uh, uh, the uncertainty about exactly what to do that was found in a lot of those situations in the '60s, uh, uh, and that went away, kind of stabilized um, after the little blip. Those are are happening just more. You find them in more and more ways, not in the same dramatic you know, people lighting up stores, but you're finding it in in more and more just everywhere these days. The oh my, you know, oh my goodness, <laughs> as as you in a business discover that some uh, kid out in California has uh, just uh, uh, invented something that's ruined your business model. Or uh, you and a business have just discovered that somebody in Albania, where's Albania, you know, you <laughs> right. say to yourself, is coming into the European market where you make 50% of your profit um, at, a, at a cost structure and at a price that you can't even come close to. And you're, bam, bam, bam. These things um, uh, today are just uh, kind of the, the blips are happening more and more, and it's just going to continue. I mean, there are going to be, there's going to be more kind of bams hitting businesses and governments 
for very predictable reasons, and technology is is certainly at the center of it, but global integration is the other the other piece. Um, you you hook together enough things, and all of a sudden you get these movements that happen fast and and uh, and are hard to um, see or uh, uh, react to. You know, grease goes down, and all of a sudden companies in Texas are having problems. And you and I would have to spend weeks trying to study the 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 the, the dots that connected events, you know, uh, in a Mediterranean country to a banking system, to a this, to a that, and all the way down to this uh, hypothetical business in in Texas. That's what global integration does. Um, so faster moving world, uh, less productivity, more change needed, and it's not going to come from just uh, one or two great um, uh, business leaders. It's going to come because more and more people, uh, uh, we help them um, um, get into the game and get in the game with a different structure than we have been running our businesses. That's what we've been studying in the last five years. That's what Cotter International does. It's a consulting firm that helps companies um, basically the uh, run themselves differently for the 21st century. Uh, and one aspect of that running themselves is a whole lot more people um, getting in the game of providing um, leadership to make uh, a firm faster and more agile. Yeah, I like that. It's spreading the leadership responsibility to everybody is pretty much what I'm hearing you say, right? I mean, it's kind of getting everybody to understand that it's not just about the one kind of larger-than-life charismatic figure anymore. It's about... Everybody kind of taking a leadership, uh, or at least getting getting into the game themselves, right? Yeah, and I think that the people, the really good leaders in business, understand that. Yeah. Um, but but I think you've, we've got lots of people who simply it's not that they're dumb or the, the, they're not competent at some things. Their their past experiences have taught them that when you mention the word leadership, they're thinking division president, CEO, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, and that's not serving them well. Mm-mm. Um, that, that's not serving them well at all. Uh, they've got to start thinking about this and therefore organizing and acting in a different way. Um, uh, to help their, uh, businesses, uh, succeed, win, grow, etc. Hey, halfway through the show here, I want to take the time to pause and talk about 99designs, especially for you startup entrepreneurs, people who are thinking about starting a podcast. You know, we'd all like to avoid the dreary side of business. I know I did. I like the sexy side of doing these interviews, but let's face it, behind the work, there's paperwork, there's all kinds of things we got to do. If you've decided to take the leap and you're ready to start your own business, you're probably knee-deep in all kinds of details and you're overwhelmed, you know, and you may find that the creative side of your brain is craving attention. Luckily, there's one task you need to do that is more creative, and that is getting a few designs in place so you can begin connecting with clients, so you can start getting the name and face of your business. You know, with a powerful logo, a website, social media design, all of that, you'll be able to promote your business. It gets excited. It starts to become tangible and real, both in person and online, and you can start right away. At 99designs, a leader in the graphic design space, you can get anything designed in just a week for a startup-friendly price. I can tell you this is great, especially when you're in a bootstrap budget. 99designs can help you build your client base before you even open your doors. I've used 99designs, and I love the personal experience and the, and the, the, the flexibility of working with them. 
What if you could start your next design project today and have dozens of designs to choose from in just seven days? Well, you can. Visit 99designs.com slash leadership and get a $99 power pack of services absolutely free. What do you think some of the biggest challenges that face leaders today? I mean, we were talking about it. You've been looking at the last five years, you know, the change. What are the biggest challenges that we face? Well, number one, uh, uh, when you go across companies and industries and ask people, what's the biggest challenge you faced? You will end up with uh, dozens of answers, and they'll be very specific. For example, um, somebody will say uh, integration, uh, a global integration of our supply chain. Uh, another person will say, um, acquisitions or acquisition uh, integration. Another person will say uh, dealing with the new uh, workforce, uh, younger people who are so different than people, and it just goes on and on and on. And so it's very easy to say, to think, well, there is no pattern. You know, everybody has got their own problem. Of course, the public sector is totally different than the private sector. Sure. But there is a pattern. And that is all of these challenges involve uh, not just doing what you've been doing and doing it a little bit better, uh, but uh, at the same time that you're, you know, keeping the ship floating or uh, keeping the factory working, um, um, being able to see um, soon enough uh, these kind of strategic bullets or strategic opportunities figure out what to do and execute, which always creates, is in more and more involved with large-scale change, which takes us back to um, leadership. Uh, and it's fascinating that, that, again, people think in very specific, narrow terms. They don't see the big biggest picture, or at least few do, which is um, the rate of change is going up, driven by global integration and technology. That is making life very different for trying to run a government agency or a firm um, effectively. And one key piece of that difference is a whole lot of people have got to get into the game of helping provide leadership. So it's not uh, two or three superhuman people trying to push these gigantic boulders, you know, up the mountain right. and over the top and to the next uh, to the next hill. But it's hundreds of people that are that are competent and uh, that are um, sharing the uh, the task. How do you think that? How do you think we get there? What do you think we need to do immediately to start going down that path? Well, number one, just talk about it more. <laughs> um, uh, two, uh, start thinking differently, which is that, that you know, uh, leadership is not just the province of a few people at the top of organizations. Right. Um, three, we've got to get a lot more people doing what our uh, uh, firm is able, because we're young and although growing a lot, uh, still small, doing what we're doing in helping clients, which is to uh, set up a new new way, which I just published a book called Accelerate, as you know, that tries to at least make a first statement of what we do and what we've learned um, of a new way of, of running organizations, which uh, um, kind of creates a new network structure working with the traditional mature uh, 
management hierarchy and management processes in which some people can step forward and provide leadership on, on strategic initiatives and get a lot more done a lot faster. Um, we've got to help firms to and departments of firms and er, geographic areas of firms to learn how to uh, do that because people in the very process of trying to do it uh, get a chance to um, step up no matter where they are in the organization uh, and, and learn something um, by kind of apprenticeship, you know, in process, not necessarily in a classroom, more about the leadership. I don't think it, it's going to hurt at all also if we use more traditional educational methods at the university and companies um, that are focused on um, key aspects of um, of leadership that are relevant to not just a few executives, but to uh, um, and real leadership, not just teach them more management and call it leadership. Right. I mean, the amount of that that's going on right now at the university level, which is I can see easily, and uh, now I'm seeing it more at the corporate level too. Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong. I mean, management. If you can't manage an organization well, good luck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. you're you're going to. Uh, um, miss your quarterly earnings targets and you do that about three times, your stock drops and you're purchased and chopped and diced out of existence, you know, with layoffs and blow-ups and everything else. You've got to manage well to be able to efficiently and reliably do what you promised to do for customers, etc. Um, but just keep teaching people to do that better and better and better and calling it leadership isn't helping, and yet that happens, that is happening right now as we talk at the university level and at the corporate uh, education um, level uh, because of this muddle in, um, in, um, um, around, you know, what leadership is, you know. Uh, and that's got to, we can start changing that in more places uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, talk about an immediate thing you can do. Uh, and we've got to, you know, you, I, and you, all of your listeners have got to help with that. Yeah, especially when I look at, and I work in a pretty um, large organization, very hierarchical, very uh, bureaucratic, and it's not through the want of bureaucracy. I think it's just, like you said, as, as you point out in, in your, in your uh, book, Accelerate, you know, they all evolved into that kind of hierarchical structure, and most successful organizations do because – They've produced great results out of that. But at the same time, as it goes on, what you're saying and what I'm hearing you say is that that kind of um, hierarchy really starts to constrain everything, right? And somehow we've got to get back to the more entrepreneurial getting around, as you say, the big opportunity, I guess, the big kind of sense of urgency to, to get people to start, you know, kind of making decisions, kind of asking for what I what I hear or what I sense from accelerators. We're asking for more forgiveness instead of permission at that point. An organization that is asking for, you know, has a culture of asking for forgiveness, not permission. Did I hit that right? Sure, sure that's part of it. And and uh, uh, but in in on the the hierarchy side, um, that's tough to make happen, which is why you need an, another side. You know, I call it a dual operating system. I'm not crazy, crazy about that phrase. But the point is, it really is. It's a, it's a, what's the boat with two things, a catamaran? Yeah, right. Um, 
I'm not a voting person, uh, but it is that versus a typical vote, um, which can do some things that a traditional vote can't uh, do. The amazing structure that won the America, America's Cup uh, this year and has for a few years that goes up uh, uh, after 130 years of the boats that won that going uh, at a, a, a a top speed, believe it or not, of about 10, 11, 12 knots. Um, this dual uh, system, dual hull structure with a new kind of sail and what these things call foils right. can go 45 knots. Right. You know, you, 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 you graph that, and we've done it. Um, I use it in, in speeches now. And it's the, starting in 1850 and coming to today, and it's this exponential curve that just is shooting up. Um, and it, it's so dramatic, it, it's going to take a different way to deal. And, and in this second uh, piece of the boat, if you will, of the catamaran, it is, uh, it's run differently where one of the rules is the one that you just uh, gave that got this part of our conversation going. That has to be a part of the, uh, um, the way it gets run. Lots of rules over there will be different than a tra- the traditional side that just gets daily work done, gets the product out, sells enough to meet the forecasts, et cetera. Um, and it can work. I mean, we've proven it with our, uh, with our clients that you can create these, these kind of new things that, that, um, I think all, all organizations go through this period as they go from entrepreneurs to mature firms. Uh, a, a brief period uh, when they've still got that entrepreneurial network structure working in conjunction with the, the hierarchy and management processes that produce the stuff and get the work done every day. Um, but they go through that stage so fast, they don't know it, that they're even going through it because they're so busy. Um, but that's the peak of often when they're uh, uh, producing innovative products, uh, growing um, having a workplace that people are just so excited about and making money. Uh, well, we need to take our mature organizations and produce a new version of that to put up with the increasingly fast and hard-to-predict uh, environment that's uh, uh, around us and is going to get even more so. Um, and uh, on that entrepreneurial network side, the name of the game is leadership, leadership, leadership from anybody that's over there, um, uh, senior vice presidents or executive assistants. Um, and we've proven you can do that, and it can make uh, a mature company uh, one heck of a lot um, uh, strategically faster and more um, agile. You know, I think about when well, you talk about urgency a lot in Accelerate and um – I think back to, I, I guess we've got to be careful because sometimes when I, when I try to introduce an urgent kind of big situation, people might be think I'm talking about firefighting, which I'm, which I'm not, or reacting kind of like, like, right. a, like a false urgency. How do you, how do you discern between this kind of like exciting, look at this mission, look what we can do, uh, here's the reality versus kind of like just reacting or firefighting, which is what a lot of people seem to complain yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's a, that's a good question. Because uh, the word, the, the term, you know, we need we need a sense of urgency around here is, for the most part, used with respect to um, very specific short-term 
um, problems. Um, uh, and and it's it's often the boss, you know, banging people on the heads, saying, right. I need this by Friday. <laughs> right. Uh, which produces a lot of anxiety inside the firm. And unfortunately, I mean, he may get it by or she may get it by Friday, but it also produces a whole lot of activity that uh, is not productive. It's, you know, anxious people running around trying to protect themselves quite logically. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's the hamsters running around in their little, uh, right. cages, uh, uh, like mad. All they do is they run out of energy and kind of eventually plop down. That is the last thing. And, and the way you get around it is, is be clear. Uh, that's not what we're talking about. That's a sort of false urgency. What we're talking about is we need more and more people in our firms to have this uh, bigger picture sense of there is there, we haven't found, I haven't found an organization yet public or private that doesn't somewhere out there have um, um, some big opportunities and uh, a sense of urgency around a big opportunity if it's if we're all thinking the same big opportunity we're aligned and and that does enormous things for speeding stuff up and it, it means people get up in the morning and uh it's positive you know opportunity in that sense is a positive thing it's it's not it's uh it's not a negative this isn't a burning platform or any of that stuff they get up thinking uh you know whoa you know this be cool what can i do today to help either increase that same sense of urgency in other people or to um look for opportunities uh during the day to kind of nudge thing things uh in the direction of being able to capitalize on that opportunity. And if you get enough people in that frame of mind, it's not anxiety-driven. It's uh, it's this kind of a positive, meaningful, um, I want to, want to, yeah. uh, uh, driven. And the power of that in, in helping organizations in a faster-moving world, um, we've proven is just... Uh, Huge, but you need to distinguish, which was your point. We're not talking about this short-term um, kind of um, uh, ah, everybody mm, right. dance on fire screaming uh, stuff when we talk about uh, a sense of urgency. We're talking about um, this, 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 this kind of positive, excited motivation that we get up and literally every day and remember besides our job um a regular job or even within the regular job we're we've got a bigger picture um that we are excited about helping um um contribute uh to which is strategically important in helping the firm uh, or the organization uh, succeed over time you guys are doing a lot of great work. I mean, obviously, working with such large-scale organizations that you do, you know, helping to move faster and uh, deal with chaos. What is your kind of um, philosophy on dealing with chaos and uncertainty? You know, coming from the Marine Corps, we—it's less about eliminating; it's more about exploiting it. What What is Cotter teach Correct. companies about chaos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, the notion—the notion of eliminating it. I mean, people do that. They say, "How do we?" Uh, you know. Um, they hire McKinsey, excuse me, yeah. um, you know, give us certainty. And McKinsey gives them the 85 PowerPoint slides. You know, that's a cheap shot, and I apologize. For <laughs> no, um, I got you. 
the 85 PowerPoint slides, which order your world nicely, you know, and theoretically eliminate the uncertainty so you can make a decision and get, get on with it. No, it's not going to happen. Um, but the wonderful, the wonderful thing about swirling this out there and this unpredictability, remember, is that in, in, in that, uh, see, if everything is stable and predictable, unless you're the king, Unless yeah. you're the guy with the biggest market share, um, what do you do? <laughs> it's really tough. Yeah. I mean, you're stuck wherever you are. The nice thing about swirliness and unpredictability and fast change is it offers even that kid in his basement in uh, San Jose the opportunity to take on some IBM. Yeah. Uh, well, that's fantastic. Right. Uh, and that's the way you gotta be thinking about it, you know? Um, don't, don't eliminate it, as you say. It, it, exploit it for your own and other people's good. Oh, you're such a great thought leader. I could sit there and talk to you for hours about this stuff. I mean, I was looking, where can people get in touch with you, uh, Cotter International? How do they get in touch with you? Well, you can, uh, yeah, go to, go to the website. That's the easiest thing. So it's just uh, Cotter International, one word. Don't uh, forget it's with a K as in welcome back as opposed to, you know, right. normal uh, British C. CotterInternational.com. Uh, that will not only allow uh, correspondence uh, with me, with the firm, um, but it's, it's got a lot of content on it, too. We try to put more and more as we're learning stuff. Um uh, content that, uh, you know, just free stuff about what we're learning, uh, hopefully to help people out. Yeah, I got to tell you, there is a plethora of information on your website. Uh, you, anybody who's interested in leadership transformation and change, uh, I mean, you could spend uh, quite a bit of time uh, gleaning some of the information that you have there. What a, what a professional uh, plethora of material there. John, I got to tell you, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I could as I get, sometimes I'd like to ha have a more themed approach and have you back on the show and maybe kind of dive into some of these topics even further, um, if you would be ever up for that. Sure, I'm sure we could arrange something. Yeah, that's great, John. Thank you for coming on the show. Stay on the line for a little bit. We'll uh, chat for a little bit. But guys, thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.